This is the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with world-building warrior Angeline Trevina, planning and productivity powerhouse Holly Line, and formatting fireball Julia Scott. Every week we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business, and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey, and encourage you to be unstoppable. Welcome to episode 190 of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. I'm your host, Julia Scott, and this week I spoke to sassy writing coach Cassie Newell about creative motivation and getting that first draft started and finished. So I'll start with a personal update, and yes, I'm still a stuck record, but that's fine. I'm still working on the book formatting formula, and I'm happy to say it's almost finished, and I actually gave myself the goal of finishing it by the end of this week. So hopefully when this episode goes out, I finished it because I've worked hard on it all weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so, because I want to get it to my editor, get it polished, get it out there in the world. This is the trouble with me and projects that take too long to finish. I get very bored of things very quickly, so I'm very bored of this book and I don't want it to reflect in the book. So I am doing my best to still put my love and passion for formatting into this book. And I hope it comes across. And I hope this book is helpful for people who choose to pick it up. But yeah, I'm excited to get it done. (laughs) Get it out of my hair so that I can go back to fiction and yeah, be a bit more creative again. I'm, I'm really missing that aspect of writing. So yeah, otherwise in life the sunshine has come out in the UK so there's lots of gardening to be done because I avoided the garden in spring because the weather was terrible and I'm a fair weather person. <laughs> I'm a fair weather gardener. Um, so yeah, there's lots to do out there and yeah, summer is upon us and how did that happen? You know, there's not much longer left in the school term and the kids will be off school and yeah, how? How did that happen? halfway through the year. That's crazy. So very soon I'll be setting more goals for the second half of the year because Holly inspires me all the time. (laughs) And I'll be doing her course that she's doing through June. So check that out. I'll put that in the show notes. And yeah, I'm feeling positive for the second half of this year. I feel like if I can get the book formatting formula done, that's a massive achievement for me. And then I'm hoping to have another book published by the end of the year because I have my editor booked for September for my fiction. So I have to write a book by September, which is doable for me as long as I focus. And yeah, and maybe AI can help me, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) We have no new patrons this week, but a huge thank you to all of our current patrons who sponsor the show. We appreciate all of your support so much. Patrons get early access to episodes, exclusive access to our off-air banter, and the warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting the podcast. If you'd like to join in and also support the show, you can do so for just £3 a month at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. Our monthly sessions of Sprints and Giggles, an evening where we do writing sprints, answer questions and have a laugh, are open to all of our listeners. To get the link to join in, just make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter or be a member of our Facebook group. 
So let's get into the main topic. This week, I spoke to sassy writing coach Cassie Newell. As well as being a writing coach, a sassy one at that, Cassie is also a fiction and non-fiction author and a fellow podcaster. She co-hosts the Storytellers Face-Off podcast, and her YA contemporary fantasy series, starting with the book Magic, is available now, so check those out. This week I talked to Cassie about her motivational guide, Writer Fuel, which is all about starting and finishing your book, and how to overcome the stumbling blocks along the way, as well as her creative writing journal called Spark and Start Your Story, which comes out on the 5th of June, which is just in, in just one week. So without further ado, let's jump straight to the interview with Cassie. Right, welcome to the podcast, Cassie. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. Long time listener, first time guest. This is excitement. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you. So to start with, can you tell us how you got into the publishing scene and how your journey has been so far? Yeah, so my journey started in, I guess it was 2015, and I published in 2016. But before then, um, I really didn't come into writing until my 30s. I'm 50 now. And I was I got my first Kindle, devouring books left and right and was like, you know, I want to change some endings. Like I have these ideas and crafting stories. And I started taking some creative writing courses and the bug bit. So it came to me later in life. It was not something that I did in childhood because I know a lot of writers come from, I've always been a writer. I'm the same. See, I didn't start writing till my thirties either. And everyone's always like, oh, I've always wanted to write. And I'm like, I haven't. (laughs) No, I haven't either. I was nice to find someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I was an artist. I always appreciated story. I always consumed different types of stories, not always in a book medium. I actually had a learning disability when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it came to me later in life and the bug hit and I just was like, persevered of, I want to do this. I actually hired a writing coach in 2016 when I decided what the story was that I wanted to write and publish and moved quite quickly through that process, had it set up in my mind to be a series, got a little stumbled 2017, 18 of the next book. Um, And yeah, I finished my series. Actually, it's a YA fantasy series. And also, towards the end of, I guess it was 2021, I started taking courses to become a writing coach. And I got certified through the Author Accelerator Program uh, to be a fiction book coach and started up coaching. And yeah, I still write. And I've moved more towards nonfiction as of recently. And fiction is kind of um, a bonus for me now. Mm. Um, So I've been writing more short stories lately and prose, and I've been having a blast because there's not a lot of pressure to me on that side. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of my writing story, you know, very quickly summing it up. How did you find writing through 2020? Did you struggle with that or did you find it a solace? That's when I finished actually my final book and Mm -hmm. it it came to me um, quite quickly in my career. Actually, I was quite busy during COVID um, for what I do outside of writing. So it gave me solace and comfort, mm-hmm. um, to be quite honest, um, to just knuckle down. And I was fortunate in the perspective that I didn't have young children at home. So 
they're more independent middle at that time, middle school and high school. So a lot more independent, um, not a lot of handholding that I know other parents, you know, worked through. So yeah, for me, that time period actually gave me opportunity, which doesn't always seem to be what people hear. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it impacted everyone very differently. Um, so I've recently read the book that you published last October, which is your nonfiction book, Writing yeah. Fuel. So what um, drove you to write that book? What made you want to write that? Yeah, Writer Fuel for me, I wanted at the time when I was struggling in 2017, I I was just thinking back to the nonfiction books I was reading were all around craft, which I needed and loved. Um, but none of the books I was seeing on the market at that time was really talking about um, motivation, inspiration, mindset, how to address those things when you're starting out. And those things are important to complete your draft because I think a lot of times we build up what something will be and how you get to that end or that finish line of our expectation, it doesn't always quite go that way. It's more of a jagged trail. And having this type of book, I think just to set up those expectations of what can happen, what could occur, and these are processes and steps to help you when they happen would have helped me a lot. Yeah. And yeah, motivation is important. I think people don't know where to find it sometimes because <laughs> right. you, you decide to write a book and then yeah, it's it's not as easy as one would think. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, mindset, sometimes people go, well, that's too woo-woo for me or what have you. But I address a lot of common things around inner critic, um, which I call the sassy saboteur, <laughs> mm. um, you know, uh, writer's block, things that you know, happen. And even experienced writers, I think, get a little something out of this um, in terms of just being inspired. And it's it's thought provoking. It does give a little bit of my story weaved in there for examples. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's helpful. And so I'm expounding upon that. I have a book coming out um, June 5th called um, Spark and Start Your Story. And it is a companion actually to writer fuel. It's a creative writing journal. Okay. And so I've added prompts in there and exercises and kind of one minute, uh, you know, tips and things so that, you know, cause sometimes I find writers go, I want to write, like there's a desire to write, but I don't have an idea or don't know where to get started. And sometimes when you think novel, that's a big, heavy, heavy thing. And yeah, I think, you know, you can start small and you can jump in. It just depends, I think, on your personality. But the intention of Writer Fuel is really motivation and inspiration to get you started. Yeah. And it's a very good book. I definitely recommend it. And I've literally just finished reading it. So it's it's very fresh in my mind. So I want to talk about some of the things that you talk about in Writer Fuel um, for our listeners to kind of get an idea of what they could read in the book and, you know, what they can expect from your coaching services and stuff. So, um, you talk about how to find your spark, um, how to find yeah. inspiration and, and where you can find it. Can you talk a little bit about some ideas for where people can find inspiration for their story spark? Sure. So a lot of times 
we don't look at what we're consuming, but that's the first step. So what entertains you? What makes you excited? Um, And the subject matters are diverse. It does not have to be a hero villain story. It could be quite simply, I love gardening and, you know, I love romance. All of a sudden there's a plot, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I think you have to look at the things you enjoy and love and what you consume. And it may not be the typical things that you always see around you or, Maybe it's the TV shows you really enjoy. Like when you're having a bad day, what's the first thing you want to watch to get you out of that um, area of mindset? You know, maybe that's the subject matter in which could spark something or it's something you do in a hobby. Let's say you enjoy yoga, um, but you also enjoy thrillers automatically I can think of some plots and, (laughs) you know, right. And they're very opposite things. So I think, Mm -hmm. um, to find your spark, um, and I do this actually in the creative writing journal is to challenge you on those things and also make lists of things. A lot of people are like, well, I don't know yet. Well, get your notes app out on your phone, or if you like to write things down, you know, just start writing names of things like your favorite store, your favorite foods. Um, you know, do you watch cooking shows, you know, um, things of that nature. And sometimes just the act of writing those down and making a list will spark something for you. Mm. And then you can develop it further. Not all ideas will form a premise, you know, to a story, but it's fuel to get you started. I have, um, I actually have something in fiction that I've been working on for a little while. It goes on and off. Um, I call it my little spigot. I turn it on and off. Um, but I get inspired by poetry and I write little prose and short stories in my own poetry, but it's not something I do every day, every week, every month. It's just something for me for fun. Um, yeah. So I think you can do a multiple, um, things of activities, but it's really looking at what you like first, because if you don't like it, you won't stick with it long enough to finish it. So true. So very true. And Holly will love the idea of writing lists. She is the list queen. (laughs) So she's, she's going to be here for that idea. Um, Another thing you talked about is starting before you're ready, not needing to know everything before you start writing a book. And you also talked about how starting looks different from one person to the next. So can you tell us about how it's different for some people? Yeah, so I can speak to myself. Starting for me is very visual because I am very artistic, let's just say, and I tend to do mood boards. Um, so I tend to, whether you want to do that in a specific application or, um, Pinterest or whatever that is, it could be, you know, pictures of characters, but it could also just be scenery color combinations. For me, that stuff moves me because it provides an emotion. Sometimes it's music. Um, I have a friend who's very motivated by music and she will set up her own playlist and Spotify for free, just getting a mood down, you know, and there will be a song that she's like, I could write a whole story about this. Now I granted, I can't listen to a song on repeat a thousand times through the whole development of a story, but she can. (laughs) So, you know, maybe music does that for you. So 
Um, and it will just move her. So this is a bit of pantsing when I say start before you're ready. And it also depends on your personality. So for me, I can have a prompt and just start to play with that. Um, and I think that's, what's great about prompts actually. Um, when you are set on the outcome of where this is going for publication, for example, when I started, um, my YA contemporary fantasy series. I knew I was going to publish it. I knew it was going to be three books, all of those things. Sometimes that can be a little heavy. And sometimes if you're a big researcher, you might want to research all those things out. But my point is, is researching is also starting. So don't mistake starting a draft as the start the start is getting inspired by what you're going to do. Because I think a lot of us get bogged down in the terminology of starting. And I'm trying to dispel that myth or that premise that starting is drafting. It's not. So that's why it's at the beginning of Rider Fuel. Starting is not drafting. Starting is starting with your idea and moving forward with it and seeing if it has legs of something you want to continue to complete. Yeah, definitely. And the rest of the book is about finishing the draft yeah <laughs> because a lot of people struggle with that too um right but yeah one of the other things that I came across was you talked about being envious of other authors and how to turn that around um and I see this a lot and I talk about it on Instagram a lot saying that comparison is the thief of joy um because oh, it is so hard. good it's hard on it social is. media when you see other people's success and their highlight reels you see all the the good things that are happening for them and it's really hard you know being envious of them so um you talked about your uncle's art there was a story around your uncle's art that I thought yeah. was great so can you tell yeah. us about that oh gosh he hit me with some wisdom he probably didn't even realize he hit me hard with but it it made an impact <laughs> so um my uncle um he is an artist um when I was in, I guess, elementary middle school, I was visiting my grandmother. He lived with my grandmother at the time. I think he was probably ending high school or just, you know, right out of high school. And he always had these huge canvases in the garage and all these wonderful pieces of art. He would draw or paint just throughout my grandmother's house. She's very proud of him. And it was gorgeous. Um, and I, I was coming to visit and I was an artist too. You know, I was a budding little, you know, artist and had my own little proud moments in my family house, right? Of my art. And my mom was encouraging me. So I went to him and there was a very abstract piece of art on the wall, um, very much like paint thrown and, you know, very disorganized, very abstract. And my little smart aleck, sassy brain <laughs> was like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's interesting. And he, so what do you think of it? And I was like, well, anybody could do that. Like, that is not hard at all. Like, give me some paint. I can throw it on a canvas and voila. He was like, yeah, maybe, but not anybody did it. I did it. And that hit me like a brick. Like, right. First of all, I realized I possibly insulted my uncle. <laughs> Two, <laughs> it was kind of like, yeah, his name's on that, not mine. I mean, I could do something maybe similar, but there's weight to that. There's weight to that. I did not do that. That is not my product. That's his product. And I, I think the same way of books as well, because I think as an, 
as an author, we write in genres, obviously, with other authors, famous authors, you know, mm-hmm. up and coming authors. And you're struggling to, you know, make money back potentially on publishing, depending on the road you go, whether it's traditional or self. I mean, there is a business component to being an author. And if that's, if that's your dream, and then there's this aspect of seeing those achievements, right. And realizing, okay, my achievement's going to be different, right. But it's so your achievement, no one else's. That's the point. It's your name. It's your story. And it's different because you did it. And I think without him realizing he was teaching me that lesson, that stuck with me as I, you know, got older and more mature around wrapping my little sassy brain around that, you know, looking at Andy Warhol or any artist really, and what they produce, a lot of us can mimic that. But the point is their names are attached to what they produce. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very true. And obviously comparing yourself to others is connected to imposter syndrome what you call the sassy saboteur I love that yeah yeah how do we quiet those doubts when we sit there thinking oh I'm not I'm not worthy to be why am I bothering writing so it is it is a process of how to quiet for your particular personality um you know for me as I've gotten older I've gotten a little bit more confident that you know it is what it is in my mind you know It, whether it will be good enough or inspire the next big person to go. I mean, that's even part of me when I coach. I don't, I don't look at it as me, me, me all the time. And maybe that's the mother in me. I don't know. I am from a strengths perspective. I am number one relater. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um, nonetheless, I'm, I'm very people driven. But um, in terms of quieting, you know, those inner thoughts or the sassy saboteur, as I like to call it. It's, it's a matter of knowing yourself and when you're going down a funnel that you can't climb out of. Um, and when you're in the middle of that funnel and still able to reach up to the top edge, knowing that you're doing the right things, you are worthy of it. You gave yourself permission, which I tell you to do at the beginning of the book, every time, give yourself permission to do it. You are worthy of it. Um, and kind of look at the goals of what you're doing. Certainly, there are some hard talks with yourselves, yourself in that area, but taking a break is so helpful. Sometimes switching to a different project is helpful and coming back to another. I talked about my little spigot. That gives me energy when I start to dabble in poetry, when I start to do other things and I'll turn it off and then I'll go back to my other thing. Cause I'm energized. But if I'm still going Ugh, and dragging to get there, I haven't had enough time. Mm-hmm. And also that comparative piece of that. If, if that's really pulling you down the funnel, start turning those things off, turn off that social media, stop looking at the individuals that are not motivating you in a positive way, but defeating you in a negative way. Stop Mm. looking at those things. It sounds very tongue in cheek to say that stuff. And I know it's very hard because I get there as well. I also will, even at this stage in my life and career, I got an opportunity that's coming up that I couldn't 
uh, just wrap my head around. And I was like, me? Really? Like, (laughs) you know, that kind of blows my mind sometimes. And I'm like, oh, there it comes. Am I good enough for this? Will I be prepared enough for this? Can I, you know, it's that self-talk. And then I had to ask a friend, you know, get your supporters around you. And I was like, can you believe this? And they were like a thousand percent, 10,000. This is awesome. Mm. That's all I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. And it was for me, it was gone in that moment. But sometimes having someone who's supportive in what you're doing and being able to freely talk also helps with that inner critic and those voices. Oh, get yourself a community for sure. Having cheerleaders around you is everything. I would have quit. I would have quit ages ago if I didn't have certain people in my life telling me keep going right and it makes all the difference Mm, yeah it does so you're talking about um like pivoting going to different projects um and Mm -hmm. you wrote a chapter on knowing when to quit (laughs) um (laughs) and talking about how not everything needs to be published you know and writing stuff just for fun and things but you know how do you know when to quit and when to pivot or when to stick with it and make it work Yeah, that's such an individualized question. But my first response is, is if you're on the quitting kind of tightrope, like I'm done, look at it as a pause first, because a lot of times when we quit, we're very emotional Mm -hmm. in a snap decision. So make sure it's not a snap knee jerk decision because you're pissed off for the day, the week or the month and see if you feel that way, make it a pause. And see if you feel that way in the next month, give yourself some breathing room, some time, you know, away from it. Mm -hmm. And if you come back to it and you're like, oh yeah, that was the right decision. Yay. I, what I really don't like is that there's this adage, you know, not to quit, you know, to force yourself through it, through completion um, of things. And I don't think that's how we evolve you know, as people, we, we try things, we quit things, we move on, we do the next thing. Um, so I think that seeing quitting as bad is such a premise. I want everyone to quit. It's not a bad thing. It's actually quite healthy. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and pausing is a good thing. Um, and depending on your goals, you know, sticking through something can be easy as a pause. So just with that first example, if you pause for a month, because you fed up, you go back to it in a month, and it's like, yes, but I still want to complete this because this is my goal. Maybe you've had enough breathing room to decide whether there's a pivot or a change in what you're doing to get to that end goal and pushing through. Mm -hmm. So I do think, you know, it, it sounds a little woo-wee-wee, I'm sure listening to this, but there is a fine line of walking that tightrope of continuing through, pausing and quitting. And all three of those things are interwoven together and quitting one day could be quitting for the rest of that project, or it could be quitting for a year, a two years. I think that quitting isn't always finite until you say it is. And pausing is that just what it is, is a pause and pushing through can also mean several different things. So, you know, it's very individualized. It's hard to say when to know when to quit, but I also think if you keep going back to something and it's a struggle, have the talk. Why writing should 
yes, there are struggles. There are paramounts of decision-making with edits, editors, you know, working with our career, you know, all the things we do. But at the same time, there's energy behind it because it's forward momentum, right? It's forward momentum. But if you're at a part where it's not forward momentum, you're hating it, you're doubting why you're doing it, you don't, maybe the support you had for the project is no longer there. That's the serious time to consider how long the pause should be to revisit it. If it's still not working for you, maybe it's a quit scenario, or maybe it's a completely retooling of what you were doing. Mm -hmm. So there's so many definitions to that. It's really hard to throw a dart at a dartboard and go, this is how, but it's something I think as you get more experience writing and experience practicing, it becomes something that you really look at more objectively. And would you always recommend people to have like uh, a set deadline for reevaluating a pause, for example, rather than kind of leaving it open-ended or does that depend on the person? Because I know you talk about setting a deadline or, well, you call it a finite timeline um, mm-hmm. when it comes to writing. And mm-hmm. I find that helpful for myself personally, because if I leave it open-ended, I just float about not actually writing <laughs> because I don't have a set deadline. But would you recommend that in terms of reevaluating a pause? Slash quit. Yeah. So I think Seth Godin has this really great quote where he's like, ideas die until they're shared or something similar to that. It's the same with story. So if you keep what you're doing to yourself and there's no timeline to that, it can die, especially Mm -hmm. if you're not motivated by a goal. But once you start saying what you're doing, then it becomes an actionable, actionable thing, right? that you're going to complete. And that gives you a timeline, right? So I do think timelines are important, but they're also flexible because life happens, Mm. right? COVID happened, (laughs) things happen. (laughs) So sometimes you may have to pause those things and that's understandable. Um, But if you don't have a goal and a timeline in which you're trying to achieve something, Then depending on your personality, but for 75% of us in the population, if we don't have that goal and timeline set and defined for us, typically it takes a really long time to achieve it because you'll go beyond that. And a lot of times we're really strenuous with ourselves and our timelines and we make them really tight and hard. So when we get there and we're like, oh, I'm getting close and I'm nowhere near where I need to be, that's the time to go, okay, I need to extend it because I still want to finish it, but Mm -hmm. what's reasonable? Um, Or if you're the opposite and you set it for a really lengthy time and you're achieving it ahead of time, well, then bring that sucker in and challenge yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's important to have a timeline though, because otherwise, and that's okay. Wonder if you are a writer for the sake of being an artist. There's no publication piece. It's just for your enjoyment. And it's just for you journaling, prompting, whatever that may be, then do that. But if the goal is publication or to do something specific within the industry to get to a certain agent that you've been dying to meet or whatever it is, timelines are important. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So you also talked in the book about creative blocks what what everyone calls writer's block um, and how to overcome it. And you talked about the three S's, um, different ways, different tricks to get out of your head and get the words down. Um, I know for me it happens where I just 
stare at the screen and I can't, I just can't get into it. So can you talk about the three S's a little bit? Yeah. So you, you caught me off guard here. So sight. Can you remember them? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are my three S's? Sight as sentiment and oh goodness. Speech. Is it speech? It's speech probably. Yeah. So yeah. Mu- yeah sight, music, <laughs> sentiment, because it's all, it's all around emotion. So, so with regards to, um, sorry, say your question again, because it just went out of my head when I was. Yeah. Talking about the three S's and the tricks to get out of your head and get the words down. Yeah, to get out of your head and get the words down. So in my book, I talk about the three S's, right? Sight, sound, um, sentiment. So with regards to that, knowing who who you are and what you like, right? We talked about the subject, you know, finding what those stories might be, right? So with sight, what I do um, when when I'm writing is that sometimes I get stuck by seeing the words come across the screen, if you will. So I had a teacher tell me to turn off my monitor. I thought he was absolutely nuts, <laughs> but it totally worked for me because yeah. it turned off my editing brain. So when we're talking about words and production, a lot of times our inner critic kicks in as we're drafting. The goal of drafting is not to criticize yourself, but to just get the story out of your head. This, this is your draft. No one else will see this. And unfortunately, you're the only one that judges it (laughs) and reads it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so turning off your sight mechanism of what, what you're writing helps a lot of people that use dictation, this helps them because they're talking through it and they're not seeing it. A lot of people who type, you're seeing the words come across the screen. So at that time I was I type, I also do use dictation, but I was typing. And as I was seeing my misspelling, or I wanted to change a name, or I wanted to perfect the sentence, I wasn't finishing out the rest of the paragraph. I was going back and fixing everything and doing that. So some people that may work for me, it doesn't because I don't finish my draft. I'm trying to perfect it, thinking somebody else is going to read it, or I'm judging myself at how crappy my draft is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's one mechanism in terms of, um, sound. I'm trying to sit here and think what, well, so you talked about dictation and how that, yeah, I talk about dictation. Um, and that's part of the site piece because talking out your story, like I said, ideas die and you know, if they die when they're not spoken and given mm-hmm. permission to be an idea outside of your head. So the same thing here, dictation or talking to someone, if you're a high communicator, sometimes it's, I will look at my husband and go, okay, I'm just going to tell you something, but I don't want any opinion. So I have this idea for a story. <laughs> just talking it out yeah. helps me. And sometimes he's nodding his head and maybe he's thinking his head she's nuts. This is so weird, but whatever, (laughs) you know, it's just a matter of me talking it out. Mm. Dictation helps for me to get the words down too, because they come across the screen and I'm going through a scene. I do prep myself for dictation and I'm a bit of an outliner. I'm not so much a pantser, although I can be on short stories. And that helps because as soon as it's transcribed, my critical brain can come on and edit it. Mm. and say that crap was that part was stupid or whatever 
um, sentiment is all about emotions. Um, and so sentiment for me, um, when I'm needing to get something down that is emotional or character arc driven or a key turning point and inciting incident, getting into the right emotional head frame headspace for myself is really helpful. So we talk about that a little bit too. So I talk about a couple of little different examples around that um, for the three S's, but it, it certainly helps when you're drafting and you're finding yourself turning on that inner critic writer's block, you know what to do besides taking a break. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and also celebrate those things when you get there, because that's, that's also you learning your process, which as a new writer, Sometimes you get, you get befuddled when writers say, well, my process is this. Well, mm -hmm. I also noted for me, my process evolves depending on the book and genre I'm writing on writing in. So I think you have to be open to that as well, that your process is ever evolving as you gain more practice. Yeah. And it does change per book, which I found really weird, even for me in the same genre, in the same series, like, because I'd been through the process of writing a first book. I got into my head more writing the second book because I knew I'd have to edit and I knew I'd have to do all the things that it takes to get a book out into the world. And so my brain was just, my brain was thinking too far ahead and yeah. it wasn't just focusing on the first draft. It was thinking about everything at once. So yeah, it threw me the second book. And I think and a lot hard. of writers find that actually. Yeah, I did the exact same thing, Julia. And it's funny because it's hard to compartmentalize, yeah. but I've I've been learning that skill. Um, this is the idea. This is me starting. This is me drafting. Drafting. This is me editing. Like all the stages of that. And it's hard to do that, especially in a series, I think. And it's interesting you say that because it was book two that gave me Oh, the what for. And it's yeah. interesting because my first book, I was kind of like, I'm, I'm the type of writer and personality of this is going to be good, but it's not going to be literary good. And I'm okay with that. Mm, <laughs> like yeah. I'm all about the entertainment and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But all of a sudden book one was doing well for me. And that added pressure all of a sudden. And I was like, where's this coming from? Oh, crap, I have to deliver on the second one. Oh, especially because people are asking like, Oh, yeah, when's, when's the second one? I want I can't wait to read it. And you're like, Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And my first draft got completely scrapped. And it was interesting. I did hire um, another book coach because I was I was struggling. And, and it was interesting. They were like, Well, this is your plot and you're not talking about this. And it was kind of this refugee piece that was going to become really prevalent in book three. And I was like, I don't know how to write it like that. I don't. And, and that's a serious topic. And this is why a contemporary fantasy, like what he goes, because you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Don't think of it as like this global world thing. Yes, that'll come out when people read it because fantasy is actually a reflection of world events a lot of the time in heavy topics. Um, and people can dive into that. But as a writer, you can't do that right now. And I was like, okay. And that kind of helped me um, in reframing that book, but it took a while for me to get there. And I also had a little bit of attention deficit disorder of really wanting to do it. Like it was like, well, this other book is calling me, you know? So <laughs> yeah. it's difficult. I think, you know, yeah. when you, when you start off with a series, it's interesting because 
a friend of mine asked me if I started my career over again, would I have started with a series? I was like, you know, I don't think I would change anything that I did, but there is a pressure to a series, but it's also a good pressure because I finished it and I did get there. It took some time and winding roads to do that. But I can say I finished a series. If I did an alone book, would I have continued forward? Would I have had enough momentum to push me there? I don't know the answer to that, quite frankly, but it's an interesting you know, thought to think about. But as an indie author, which was the road I chose for myself, a series is a great way to go in building your platform and building readership. So um Indie having standalone books, I think is usually for somebody who's a little more um, established and already has things under their belt because it can be difficult to sustain that. Yeah, I have asked myself that exact question. Well, the number of times I've said, why did I start with a trilogy? Like, why did I do this to myself? (laughs) Because I'm new to this and now all of a sudden I'm writing a trilogy and it's not easy. It's not easy, but like you said, it does give you momentum. If I had just done a standalone book, I may not have written another one because the second book was so hard to write, Mm -hmm. not necessarily because it was second in a series, but just because it was my second book. Like I said, you get stuck in your head and all of that. It's like, if that had been a second standalone, there's no one there saying, I want the next book. I want the next book. When's it coming? When's it coming? So there's no like outside motivation. I would have had to find that inside me and I'm not convinced I would have found it (laughs) yeah it's interesting because people will ask me I'm curious for you Julia I know I'm being interviewed but I'm gonna interview you sorry Uh um but for me um people will ask me like what is your favorite book in the series and to me the second book is the most gratifying book I don't know why but I feel it's the better better representation of my voice as a writer. And I, I love the ending for my series and I love that book. Um, but for me, the second book, like it was like a huge triumph. Do you feel that way as well? I think I do because it took so much to get through Mm -hmm. writing that book. And I had learned so much from editors and reading other books and like read obviously I had read books before I became an author but reading books when you've already written a book is different do you know know what I mean like you you read things differently um and you learn from when you're reading rather than just reading so the second book had a lot more yeah it had a lot more of me in it and like my development I feel like yeah so I look back on book one and I I avoid reading it (laughs) because I think (laughs) oh no it's not it's not it but um, yeah, book three for me was just as hard to write, really, um, yeah. just because of personal circumstances more than anything. Um, and so much, so much of my emotion went into book three that, like, yeah, I just cried through writing that book. <laughs> so, I cried in book three too. Yeah, but um, my coach was laughing at me. He was like, "Because you have such a high body count." I was like, "Maybe." Oh no, <laughs> not death. No. Yeah. I just, um, I don't know. It's interesting because you fall in love with certain characters and um, yeah. And then also the aspect of, you know, that story's done usually by 
by, by the end of your, your series, you are done, Mm -hmm. but there's also this finality to it. Right. And it's almost like this relief, but at the same time, it's kind of like, but what's next, you know? And there's a comfort with the characters, you know, too. Um, So I don't know. It's an interesting dichotomy. Um, And speaking of book one, Oh, I feel the same way. There's so many things I would change about book one. And it's interesting because um, my book one is an audio format as well. And I did listen to it and came out last year for my birthday in October. And it was really interesting to me because hearing someone narrate your words and give it, (laughs) give it something else besides how you read it in your head. I was like, half bad you know it's sort of like okay my little crumpy ass or sassy ass on my own (laughs) book but um yeah it's very different so I also love that even the books that you're so tired of can have a renewed interest and you feel kind of proud of that you know in different formats too so yeah it's ever evolving isn't it and I would also always tell readers like give new authors a chance like their first book isn't going to be their best book yeah so if if you like their story maybe there's things you don't like about it just keep like give them more of a try Um, oh I can say that too as a reader so I've been following Jennifer L. Armentrout since before she like went gangbusters up there with Sarah J. Mass. And I remember reading her very first books, but they were be entertainment and just devourable for me. Mm -hmm. And now as we've gotten further and further along, and I'm one of those people, she puts out a book, I'm buying it. I'm I'm just Mm -hmm. one of those people. And, you know, there are books and series offshoots that I didn't enjoy or I didn't finish, but even her first books give me hope. And this is the turn of that jealousy of watching someone's career. Her career is at chapter 40. My career is maybe at chapter eight, but I can look back at both her beginning and my beginning and be proud of where I am versus being jealous, you know, of where she is now in her career, being a hybrid author, which one day I hope to be and be able to say, but yeah, I just love that. So definitely give you know, new authors a shot because when she started, she wasn't known at all. And I loved, I loved her earlier books. So yeah, Yeah. I have to say, I haven't read any of her books yet, but I will. (laughs) I'll get, (laughs) I'll get there. I just don't have enough time to read. Um, Yeah. But I think writing coaches have a big part to play in keeping new authors going because it is hard to keep yourself motivated, especially after the first book, as we've mentioned. So what made you decide to become a writer coach? So because I was using them myself. Um, Mm. So a lot of times um, for me, I had a community, um, you know, local to me. And a lot of the individuals in that community um, were not young adults writers. And so the feedback I was getting, a few of them were great and substantial. I learned a lot, but I also needed something that was more focused to what I was trying to accomplish. So when you're getting a writing coach, it's really important to kind of look at what they specialize in, what, 
you know, fits with your personality because that was focused in on me. And I needed somebody focused in with what I was trying to do, not someone who was writing mysteries and thrillers and giving me feedback on how a teenager speaks. Mm -hmm. So I needed, I needed, you know, a different opinion. And for me, using writing coaches was also an aspect of just like when you're wanting to get in shape and you hire a trainer and you're wanting, you know, to work on certain muscle groups, they have that expertise Mm -hmm. and you pay them. Therefore you show up. And that was also me putting, you know, my, my, my goals and my money where I wanted to get. So for me, I also wanted to know behind the scenes how that worked because I found myself doing it with my writing friends. I was coaching them, mm-hmm. um, you know, through the process of everything I was learning. I have, I'm a high learner. And so that was something I wanted to know. And it's part of pers- my personality and my day job. I am also a mentor, a leader, and a coach. So no surprise there that I'd want to do that and carry that forward, actually. So finding the right program for me was also about me learning, um, you know, different ways of coaching people and different mechanisms from what I had already experienced. So that that's basically what got me there. And also knowing, okay, I'm doing this for free, but this is a service and I'm good at it and I enjoy it. It also gives me energy pennies seeing other people achieve. Right. And so I am the ultimate cheerleader. Um, so, you know, I don't do well unless you're doing well. And that's what I look to do. And I also look at hard love too, sometimes, you know, when somebody's being, you know, difficult in what they're trying to achieve. Sometimes we have that little, uh, for those that like the godfather, you know, come to the mattresses moment (laughs) where, you know, let's talk this through. It's not always about stories. Usually it's about what's going on and finding the time. Um, so I do a lot of accountability coaching, which is, um, I find really good and fun. And sometimes you just need to be accountable and showing up and knowing somebody's watching you like, so how the words going? Did you get the scene done? Did you get, did you meet this goal? And sometimes it's no, well, what are we going to do to get there? What does that look like next week for you? Are you pausing? You know, having someone who understands that, who isn't so, okay, well you missed it. So now what? I'm a little bit more soft in that area because I've been there and I've done that. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where my coaching is as well as story mapping. Cause I am an idea generator and I love posing questions to people and getting you to figure out your story. So no surprise that I have a creative writing journal coming out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally <I'm> sh- my jam. <laughs> I'm sure people will love that. Is it a book you write in? I'm guessing. Yes. Oh, I hate writing yes, books, Although my but... <laughs> oldest daughter was like, mom, you and I both use our iPads and we use notes. You are going to put this out in PDF. And I was like, Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. She was like, well, it needs to be a lot more colorful. If you do that, as you can see, I love color, but, um, I was like, Oh, I was doing it in black and white to make it, you know, cost effective and all this. And I was like, Oh, I may have to try that, but, um, yeah. So right now I'm just looking to do print and hardback because it is, it's made, I'm doing the internal stuff right now, which design is my jam. So I'm loving it. So you can write in it. And I'm really excited about coming out. I've already been playing with my own prompts. How bad is that? It sounds a little (laughs) self-egotistical, but um, it's a lot of fun. Write what what you love. Definitely. 
practice it before you send it out in the world definitely yeah <laughs> well i'm definitely looking forward to taking a look at your journal when does it come out again remind us june 5th okay oh so really not far away yeah, now three weeks away yeah i'm hoping to wrap up all my internal stuff this weekend and brilliant yeah. good luck with that um, but yeah thank you so much for talking to me today it's been an absolute joy and as you know we always end our interviews on a would you rather question <laughs> <laughs> and I've picked a bit of a mean one really and I'm sorry in advance but would you rather read in an isolated cabin that was infested with spiders or in an <laughs> or in a noisy coffee shop with music you really hate oh my gosh <laughs> it's so mean I'm sorry you are mean um <laughs> okay what I'd like to read a cabin infested with spiders or a noisy cafe with a noisy annoying music that I can't stand um it's interesting because when I'm really into a book like I can tune things out but I think I would choose the spiders because even if it's infested they're not gonna bother me I'm not food they're going to be getting rid of the flies and everything else. So yeah, if so I can there, find no myself flies, yeah. a, a comfy little corner, <laughs> oh, I love it. I can deal with it. But if I have to deal with something that's always noisy, lots of clanging, things like, you know, and if I can't tune them out, I would just be miserable. Spiders yeah. are not noisy. So <laughs> no, they're not. Right. They, they silently creep up on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not the right choice, but out of well, the two, you I'm have just going to pick gonna one. go with that. So, okay. And I mean, I can always, you know, get their webs away from me. They're not going to come after me. I promise I won't ever force you to do either. So <laughs> you're pretty safe. <laughs> okay. So can you tell us where our listeners can find out more about you and your writer coaching services and your books? Sure. So you can find me at the sassywritingcoach.com. That's my website. So lots of goodies there. I'm also on TikTok, a sassy writing at sassy writing coach. Um, and then on Instagram, it's it's a little bit of a combination of both. You can find me as uh sassy or author sassy cassie. Um, so I also talk about my fiction and nonfiction there on Instagram. And those are my, the main spots for me. That's where that's where I hang when I'm out and about. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. Cool. We'll see you over there. Thank you so much, Cassie. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Cassie as much as I did. I even came away from that interview feeling extra motivated. So I hope this episode has the same effect on you. I read her book, Writer Fuel, and came away with so many aha moments. So I highly recommend you check it out too. We'd love to hear from you on social media. Come tell us if this episode has sparked something in you or come ask Cassie your burning questions. And remember that if you want to join us for Sprints and Giggles, then make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. If you want to get all of the additional benefits of supporting the show, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. And don't forget to share the podcast online and tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for unstoppable authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors Podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. Don't forget to visit our website to get the show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles at unstoppableauthors.com. 
and join our guild of unstoppable authors and you will not only hear from us every week but you will also get a free digital copy of my book 30 days of world building if you enjoyed the episode please remember to subscribe and leave a review